It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. How are you going to, to likely live in this world is a function of things like white supremacy and patriarchy. Let me give you just an example. I had a guest speaker, a wonderful guest speaker in Austin, over the past few days, uh, culminating this weekend, uh, and her name is Carolyn West. She's a professor of psychology at the University of Washington, Tacoma, uh, a leading expert on domestic violence and sexual assault, especially the racialized dimensions of it. Carolyn's African-American herself uh, and has developed a lot of important training materials uh, over the years in her work on that. She's now studying the contemporary pornography industry which is a relentlessly misogynistic, sexist industry, but also a relentlessly racist industry. And for four days, Carolyn was in town speaking at various agencies and universities uh, about the racialized misogyny in pornography. So there's an issue about the sexual exploitation of women in which we foregrounded the racialized dimension. It opens up people's understanding of the way society works in certain ways. So... Uh, uh, you know, people are positioned in different places with different resources. Uh, and whatever one is trying to do in the world to make the world a better place, it seems to me that incorporating a critique of white supremacy, incorporating a critique of patriarchy, incorporating a critique of capitalism is essential if you want to actually advance anything that we could call, you know, progressive uh, or just better, perhaps better stated, just a decent human community. Cheaply, poorly constructed films that are basically all centered around violence directed at black people. Lethal white violence directed at black people. Uh, if well, that's interesting because it dovetails exactly with the analysis of Carolyn West, the speaker I just was mentioning, who came 
came through Central Texas to lecture about the racism in pornography. So there's a, a critique of pornography that we don't have time to get into, but it's interesting that the racism in pornography is not subtle. It's right out front, old style, uh, the, the most grotesque racist stereotypes, not just of African Americans, but of all non-white racial groups. And again, millions of dollars every year made. Billions, billions. Come on now, billions. And, and uh, this, this racist misogyny, in other words, um, the sexual domination of women made more intense through racist ideology. Uh, it's right there on the surface. We're not talking about you know having to do some subtle interpretation. It's, it's so blunt and so ugly that it's self-evident. And yet there's very little commentary about it. Um, and, and Carolyn's presentation was so powerful in part because it reminds us of how often, as you're pointing out, in pop culture, and pornography is kind of on the edge of pop culture, but it's an increasingly you know, mainstream form of sexual entertainment for literally virtually you know, all men in the culture at this point, at least for young men. Uh, why is that not discussed? Why is the, the violence in movies that you're talking about that's racialized not discussed? That's an interesting question uh, that perhaps answers itself in a white supremacist society context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Tuesday, April 24th, 2018. So I have been told. Before we get to today's broadcast, I, of course, have to do a yoga story, right? Couldn't couldn't do the broadcast without. And this didn't even happen in class. However, I was wearing my Please Respect Me Like I Am a White Person t-shirt, which I only wear to yoga now. I was leaving class to go back to my residence. And as I was walking the mean streets of Seattle, uh, a white male, older white male, uh, he, to me, he looked over 60, older white male with an ice cream cone, no less, <laughs> with an ice cream cone, no less. He gave me the hardest, coldest stare as we were going across the street, just looking, glaring at my shirt. And, <laughs> and uh, all I could do was snicker. Now, that said, White people, the danger of racism, white supremacy is very serious. I did think, man, he could throw his ice cream on me. However, it's going to take quite a bit more uh, than an older suspected racist with an ice cream cone walking the streets of Seattle to have me walking in fear. But that did happen with my shirt on yesterday. Wouldn't be springtime without ice cream cone and a suspected incident of racism. But that yoga story for the day to today's broadcast that was dr robert jensen uh that you heard the audio clip at the beginning he was here last month i was so confused i was trying to explain to our guest today how i found out about her work and i just got a little crisscrossed i am a victim of white supremacy we had two different guests on from the University of Texas, Austin in March, and both guests obviously talked about the Austin bombing situation. I just got confused as to who referenced 
Dr. Carolyn West. I thought it was Dr. Martin Kevorkian uh, who referenced her work because we were talking about different films that involve sexual intercourse between white people and black people. It was not Dr. Kevorkian. It was Dr. Robert Jensen, which on one level does make sense because that's an area that he does study, research about. Uh, he's written about in terms of the pornography industry. I don't know if he talked about racism, but he has done a lot of work on uh, the pornography industry. So it would make sense that he would be interested in that. Although I will add that was off topic. I went back and listened to that today. He was very off topic in getting to Dr. Carolyn West, who's going to be with us today, he was very off topic in getting to that because that was not related to what I asked him about at all uh, with regards to the Boston bombing situation that took place in March and did not get nearly enough attention, in my opinion. All of that said, all of that very important, our guest for today, as referenced by Dr. Robert Jensen, suspected racist, uh, amazing documentary film. I was able to check it out, seen it a few times now. Uh, the film, Let Me Tell Y'all About Black Chicks, Images of Black Women in Pornography. We here at the Cal, Gus T, I've been saying ever since I thought that this program was going to happen, one of folks' favorite areas of people activity. If we have any newer listeners who have not been with the cows for our nine years on the air or, you know, half of that time, if you're more recent and you don't understand some of the comments that are made or positions that are taken on the program, when we talk about sexual intercourse, especially sex between white people, non-white people, might be an important program to help you get a better understanding of everyone's favorite area of people activity, sex. Also wanted to make sure that I, uh, since we have been here for nine years, nearly a decade, and as I said, this is one of our listeners' favorite, favorite areas of people activity. Uh, some of the literature that you might want to lean on as we proceed through this, some of this literature is even mentioned in the documentary, uh, folks that have been guests on the cows to help get a better understanding of what we're talking about. Richard Bernstein, the East, the West, and sex, one of my favorite quotes all time in the history of the cows, the quote, it's actually the, one of the chapters of his book, The Whole World as the White Man's Brothel. He was here in 2009. Next, Pam, one of our favorites, The Interracial Con Game, really important book. I think she would absolutely love to hear the program today. I'm going to make sure I send it to her. Danielle McGuire, at the dark end of the street, Black Women, Rape and Resistance, A New History of the Civil Rights Movement. She was here in 2011. Very important book. Uh, and I think I'm going to have to rearrange my top 10 to include Vin the late Vincent Woodard's The Delectable Negro, Homoeroticism and Human Consumption in U.S. Slave culture. I think all four of those books would add a lot to what we're talking about today. And as I said, at the dark end of the street, that's referenced specifically in the documentary that we're going to talk about. So excited to have her as a guest on the program. She's right here in my part of the uh, part of the world, the Washington state area. Her teaching 
<clears throat> she teaches a range of courses at the University of Washington, Tacoma, related to violence and sexuality. Uh, she also investigates the long-term consequences of intimate partner violence and sexual assault, as well as the hypersexualization of young women in the media. So glad we could have her on the program joining us live from the sunny Pacific Northwest, our guest, Dr. Carolyn West. Uh, Dr. West, are you with us, ma'am? Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for sharing a bit of your Tuesday afternoon or evening now. I guess you could have been out frolicking and enjoying some of this great weather, but you are hanging out with us to talk about your spectacular work. We are so thankful. Uh, for, I guess, listeners, I'm sure this might be some folks their first time hearing from you. Anything that you think would be helpful for folks to know about who you are, the work that you do? Well, I'm a clinical psychologist by training. And I have been at the University of Washington for about 20 years now, um, the founding faculty member of the psychology department here at the University of Washington in Tacoma. And I've been a sex educator for about 30 years. Founding member of the psych department there. Very impressive. Um, for listeners who have not seen a photo of you, you are a black female. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. All day long. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, we on this program, we start every broadcast definitions uh, of racism specifically. Uh, I use the term racism and the term white supremacy. I use them as synonyms and I use the same definition for both terms. Uh, the definition I use is as follows. A global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white. Do you think such a system exists? Do you think that definition is accurate? I think that's pretty accurate. And it is systemic and it is uh, structural. And that's the thing that I try to help my students understand. I teach a course on the psychology of black women. Uh, I think we tend to focus on individual acts of racism and then the structural and institutional racism is then invisible. And that is damaging in far more adverse ways than people realize. Mm, absolutely. You said you teach a course, what was it, on the psychology of black women? Psychology of Black Women. I developed wow. that course when I was in graduate school many years ago. I won't say how many, <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, and I've been teaching it off and on for about thirty years. So that's one of my more popular courses, wow. as well as a course on sexual violence that I teach. Wow, I would certainly think the sexual violence course would be popular. Uh, I guess for our listeners uh, who might not get a chance to take such a great course, kind of what what does some of that course entail, and maybe even what some of the reading material that we can you know do some personal reading. Uh, we read a lot of bell hooks. We read a lot of Patricia Hill Collins, Melissa Harris Perry. I'm pretty fond of her work, and it is from a black feminist perspective. So we talk about history. Uh, we talk about mental health, physical health, the criminal legal system. So we cover a range of structures that touch the lives of African-American women. But we also try to talk about resilience 
and not leave it so negative and also talk about how African-American women combat this, the traumas and challenges that we face in our lives as well. Spectacular. Is, uh, I've been to your website at the University of Washington. Can people see like what's on the syllabus for this course or like online? You know, I don't post the syllabus, but I would certainly be willing to share it with anybody who would contact me. Oh, right on. There you go. Any listeners, if you want to hook up, you can drop an email to Dr. West. If you need a little help, if you shoot me an email, I will help you out. Drop her an email and there you go. Reading material. Um, How did you begin your study uh, as a trained psychologist? How did you begin your study of sex? You know, when I was an undergraduate, I took a human sexuality class. Actually, it was a female sexuality class at the University of Missouri. And I did really well in the class. And the professor became my major professor as an undergraduate. And uh, she worked with me when I got into graduate school. And I just started teaching human sexuality classes from there uh, and became a sex educator and as a clinical psychologist, did uh, sex therapy for a while. So, and it's a fascinating area of study. Wow. And the racism aspect, did you begin to see that early on in your studies, or did that encroach later on? You know, that came a little bit later on when I started a journal uh, called Sexualization, Media, and Society. I had always been fascinated and been writing about media images in African-American women that had always been an area of interest of mine. Uh, But I started talking to my colleagues who were looking at, who were studying pornography and sexualized um, media violence, and I kept asking people, is anybody looking at the intersection of racism and pornography? And nobody really seemed to be doing that work. And so I started to really look at the images in a more critical way. And it so deeply disturbed me. I knew that I had to start really writing about the topic and doing presentations and just more scholarship because I was so disturbed by the media images that I was finding. I think, I guess it it would be a good place to start for listeners who probably haven't seen the documentary, but I hope that'll be corrected soon and it'll be available for widespread release so you all can check it out. But uh, the name of your film, Let Me Tell Y'all About Black Chicks, is taken directly from uh, a really trashy white supremacist pornography film from about 30 years ago. Can you talk about how that informed the, the titling of your work? Absolutely. The the porn video, let me tell you about black chicks. And you can still find that on the Internet in its entirety. Uh, it's still out there and very easy to find. But this video came about in 1985 or so, right when the VCR became popular and you didn't have to go to you know, adult theaters to see porn. Uh, so technology, that's pornography will always take advantage of whatever new technology is available. And so this was released on the home video market in 1985 by, uh, there were two brothers, uh, the Dark Gregory and Walter Dark were their names. And they went on to produce uh, 
big videos uh, for popular music artists after this video was produced, but they said they wanted to be as politically as incorrect as possible. And so they produced one of the early interracial porn videos. It was called Let Me Tell You About Black Chicks, and it got so much negative attention because there was a scene in that video where two men, white men dressed as Ku Klux Klan members, were having oral, anal, and vaginal sex with one black woman and proceeding to use all these racial slurs. So the title of my documentary actually came from that from that particular porn video, which was subsequently taken off the home market because of that that racist depiction. But as I said, with the Internet, you can still get access to it. Mm. And so after I watched that clip, I could not stop asking myself, what does it do to your humanity, your sense of masculinity, how you see African-American women if your early sexual experiences are masturbating and watching these kinds of images. I couldn't get that question out of my mind. So that sort of set me on the stage to doing this research. Context of white supremacy, again, our guest, Dr. Carolyn West. Uh, the Can I pause for our listeners' welsing moment, I think, the creators of this documentary film, The Dark Brothers, I'm sure Dr. Yeah. Welsing would get a big smile out of uh, <laughs> out of that. Uh, I guess before, since I've mentioned her name and you are a trained psychologist, are you familiar with Dr. Frances Cress Welsing? Yes. Oh, okay. What do you What do you think of her work, her theory on white genetic annihilation? I think it's fascinating. I think we really need to be having conversations about what. Uh, structural and institutional racism and trauma and how that shaped the psychology of African-Americans. I don't think we have enough conversations about that within the field uh, of psychology. So I I find it really interesting. Hmm. She uh, was a guest on this program many times before her passing in 2016. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she uh, was fond of saying uh, as a clinical uh, and child psychiatrist was, tell me what you do with your genitals, and I'll tell you what you think of yourself. Uh, What do you think of that statement? (laughs) What I appreciate about the work is we need to always put it in historical context. I think people think what you do with your genitals as an individual uh, decision and what happens to other people's genitals is an individual a choice or decision that's divorced from uh, the social structure in history. So as I always say, you know, history would become all that men did during the day, but nothing of what they did during the night. So I, I think history matters a lot. Absolutely. That walked right into my uh, next question. I think you do such an extraordinary job. I have a real appreciation for people who provide historical context so that we can understand things did not just happen uh, to end up this way on April 24, 2018, that there was a lot of deliberate effort to get things to be the way that they are and how you have these things develop. And the same thing with 
racism, white supremacy in the pornography industry that it didn't just start with. Uh, let me tell you about black chicks in 1985, even though that is important historical context that we can go significantly further back. And again, uh, if I could name drop a book that probably is going to be in my top 10 as soon as I can sit down to rework things. The late Vincent Woodard, The Delectable Negro, Homoeroticism and Human Consumption in U.S. Slave Culture. Oh, man. Uh, that would be one historical context. I think we both have an appreciation for the late Dr. Maya Angelou. Uh, I mm -hmm. went back because we did her book on the book club here. Uh, I know why the caged bird sings. She has a quote that I think gets very much to historical context. And then if you can add more, her quote from I know why the caged bird sings. She's talking about when she was a young girl and she had to work in the house with whites, which I mean, talk about historical context. She had to work in the house with these whites, the Cullen family. Uh, so she says she writes, uh, Mr. Cullen had two daughters by a colored lady and that I knew them very well. He added that the girls were the spitting image of their father. I was unable to remember what he looked like, although I had just left him a few hours before. But I thought of the Coleman girls. They were very light-skinned and certainly didn't look very much like their mother. No one ever mentioned Coleman. My pity for Mrs. Cullinan preceded me the next morning like the Cheshire cat's smile. Those girls who could have been her daughters were beautiful. They didn't have to straighten their hair. Even while they were caught in the rain, their braids still hung down straight like tamed snakes. Their mouths were pouty little Cupid's bows. Mrs. Cullinan didn't know what she missed or maybe she did. Poor Mrs. Cullinan. Dr. Maya Angelou, I think, uh, in a very uh, tongue-in-cheek, G-rated manner, getting exactly at the historical context of a film like Let Me Tell You All About Black Chicks. Can you add, Dr. West? I can, because I think, uh, in a number of ways, I think a lot of what we see in pornography really comes out of the history of black women struggling to have any ownership of their sexuality. Um, the black woman in the story that you just mentioned with Maya Angelou, she didn't have control because African-American women were routinely raped not only throughout history, but also in the households when they worked as domestics. So what we're seeing, I think, in contemporary pornography, pornography just kind of reinforces this message that, you know, black women don't have ownership of their sexuality, can't control or haven't historically been able to control what has happened to them. And you also see that that hierarchy of beauty that Maya Angelou referred to in pornography where lighter-skinned black women are seen as more beautiful, more attractive, more desirable, even though they're seen as uh biracial and sort of tainted in some way because they're mixed with white blood, but then black, darker-skinned black women are seen as uh, even less attractive and undesirable. So all of those things converge uh, in pornography in some really interesting, very depressing ways that I found in my research. Context of white supremacy absolutely uh and i think a lot of most of the tropes you talk about in the documentary film you talk about uh sarhi bartman 
and the long history of kind of displaying uh, black sexuality as deviant, beastly, animalistic. You talk about that, the images of black people, black females specifically having sexual intercourse uh, with apes and gorillas uh, on the continent. Like you see the transition over, we're talking centuries of this, these types of projections uh, of racist images of black females specifically. And you see many of these same tropes, these same ideas throughout uh, the porn industry, even beyond uh, the porn industry, just in the way that black females are uh, sexualized. I'm reminded of one of Quentin Tarantino's films where he has a black female named Jungle Julia, where they spend a lot of the film doing crotch shots and just <laughs> right on her rear end. But I mean, that's her name is Jungle Julia. I mean, you same thing that you talked about in the film. Did you want to add to that? I I do, because my point is, that none of this, as you said earlier, none of this just came out of nowhere. I think it's easy to sort of focus on pornography is the extreme end of that. But these ideals about who and what African American, both men and women are, it permeates society. It's not just limited to pornography. And so I think that that is critical, a critical point that I try to make. I think that pornography just makes it more overt because we're less willing to critique pornography. We will critique other areas of the media, mainstream music videos, the fashion industry, mainstream movies, but people seem somehow reluctant to critique and turn that lens toward pornography and I just find that very interesting why that may be I, I think it's one of the few times particularly if we're talking pornography and looking at the racial aspect of it I think as we when we spoke before I think it's very much like racist jokes it's one of the few times when whites speak or at least they are filming honestly revealing honestly what they think about black people no filter no edits uh you can just see exactly what's on their mind through watching some of these types of videos uh and talking about both the long-term consistency in terms of these ideas and the projection racist white supremacist culture really being projected and articulated in these deviant sexual acts uh, but I also think it's important that you talked about how the long throughout white supremacy this notion that black females cannot be raped it's just not possible they are sexually insatiable they have sex all the time and have children what have you this is just what they do they're freaks they're whores they're savages uh so it's impossible to rape a black female and the real world consequences for that which we talked about in great depth with daniel mcguire at the dark end of the street and daniel holtzclaw more recently uh where you kind of had the same thing no attention dozens uh, of black we don't even know how many because they said a lot of the victims they think didn't come forward out of fear but an enforcement official in Oklahoma City who was exclusively targeting sexually terrorizing black females it didn't get very much attention at all and you had the same types of notion we think they're lying they're not trustworthy they're criminals they're mm -hmm. savages uh who cares about them anyway can you talk about that consistently and how porn con uh, continues to that notion 
I think it does in a very deeply disturbing way for me because I talk in the documentary about how sex work is portrayed, how human trafficking, uh, how assaults against victimized women, how we deal with rape. And I'm not saying pornography per se causes those things. I mean, those are or huge societal problems that are very complex. But my point is that pornography tends to sanitize uh, particularly sexual and physical violence against African-American women and girls. And because pornography is so widely consumed uh, by people all across culture, particularly in positions of authority and power, if that's the only message that you get about who African-American women are and you don't really have real interactions with real African-American women and girls, then it's really sort of easy to take out of the pornified culture, not only pornography but regular mainstream media, that this is who black women are. They're not going to get very much sympathy or support if they disclose those sexual assaults. And so my my concern is that these sexualized images so permeate our society, it's almost unavoidable, and it does impact how we interact with African-American women. Mm. I'm just remembering some of the other incidents that have come up more recently. If people recall uh, Zerlina Maxwell, she's uh, a political mm-hmm. activist. She's been on Democracy Now! and MSNBC, a lot of mainstream outlets. But she came out, she was given an opinion that I guess some people didn't agree with. And they got on social media and said she deserved to be raped uh, and killed. Yeah. Uh, the same thing happened uh, with the Naturalista Cosmetics founder. She was a guest on our program, 2011, black female, just trying to produce hair care products. She wasn't doing anything mm. rowdy, wasn't talking nasty mm. about anybody, really wasn't even talking about racism, just natural hair care products for black females. And she was being terrorized uh, by racists who had just come and write all sorts of nasty comments on her page, which included, you deserve to be raped by a, mm-hmm. and they included white uh, they said the D word, I'll say penis, just to try to make it a little more G-rated, but that got included as a part of their commentary, which, again, I just I see the same thing when I look at some of the content that you talked about in your videos of sexual intercourse with black white men having sexual intercourse with black females, but it is, it is violence. It is as an expression of domination and degradation over black females. Can you speak to that aspect? I, I can. I think that's probably more of the most disturbing uh, images that I found. And this is all mainstream pornography. Anybody can get access uh, to this. And I don't want to give too much attention to specific videos because uh, it's out there. But videos like ghetto gaggers, uh, exploited black teens, I mean, it doesn't even clean it up. I mean, they're very clear about this is what these videos are about, is the degradation, some of the interracial videos in particular, the degradation of African-American women and some of the horrific violence that I found in those videos um, were just so deeply disturbing. It was, For me as an African-American woman, it made me so horrifically depressed in some ways to 
to know that these are the images out there and this is how there are people in this world who see me and see women like me. And when I've screened this video in Texas and around the country, I've actually had African-American women sit through the screening and weep. Weep. Because many of them have had histories of sexual violence, and it's, a, it's almost like a personal assault against you as an African-American woman. I really call it ideological violence because it's clear in pornography these are the images that are out there that tell you you have no value as a human being. And that's profoundly damaging, I think, to African-American men and women and impacts relationships in some pretty horrific ways. Wow. Founder of the psychology department at the University of Washington, Tacoma, our guest, Dr. Carolyn West. Uh, I am certain we have listeners who have questions. Uh, If you would like to ask Dr. West about her documentary, what we've been discussing, the number 641-715-3640, the code 564-943. Pound, press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, or two things. First, when Dr. Jensen was speaking with us and he was talking about your glowing terms about your work, uh, deservedly so, and he was saying that the porn industry, he said, it's, you know, we're talking a million dollar industry. And I interrupted him and I said, billion with a B. And I think that that's important because we're not talking with ghetto gaggers in these sites. We're not talking like, oh, this is a fringe element. This is just, you know, maybe maybe a few uh, individuals, depraved individuals enjoy this. But this is not some sort of widespread thing where you have large numbers uh, of whites who are consuming this sort of depraved racist content. And I would say you are totally incorrect. Dr. West, is that accurate? You know, Pornhub, a very popular website, gets more visitors than Netflix. Wow. So uh, there's no question that the porn industry is huge, and it's not going to go away anytime soon. So I make the, the point that my, my job is not to police people's sexuality or uh, morality or anything like that. My, my role in this is to critique these images as I would media images in in any other aspect of the culture and to ask people where do these images come from and what is the cost of consuming them. Uh, I also make it clear that my goal is not to shame uh, people or to shame people in the sex industry. I think sometimes people hear the work that I'm doing and think of it as a critique of people who work in this industry, I think I can be critical of sweatshops without being critical of the people who feel like they have to work in sweatshops. So uh, I just, I, I think I just try to clarify that for people so that they understand why I do the work that I do. Mm, Appreciate that. The second point that I thought was just so important when you talked about, 
uh, people seeing some of these images in your film, maybe for the first time, and particularly black females seeing this and, and weeping, knowing that this is how people think of me. Uh, and then I think one of the most important aspects of the film is that you talk about how this translates to uh, black girls, uh, black children. And you talk about how so much of the pornography content, it's trying to give you the impression that these are very young girls. They just turned 18. They're innocent. They have them in the pigtails and the kind of schoolgirl uh, outfits to, to do everything that they can to give you those cues that, yes, you're watching, you know, really, really young uh, black girls and what that means for sexual exploitation of children, which, again, if I could just do my historical context, when we talk about enslavement and rape of black people, males and female during enslavement, uh, we're talking a lot to a large degree about child rape. And I always go right to the top of the list with Thomas Jefferson when they talk all that nonsense about this was a romance between Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings. Make sure you start with this was pedophilia before we get to romance, because she was a very young teen when all of this started. But can you can, can you talk about how this impacts black girls, black children? I do, because I, my concern is I work with victims of sex trafficking and African-American girls, even though we hear on media accounts, you see when they talk about sex trafficking, uh, we tend to mobilize around these issues when it's young white girls who are victimized and not to minimize that by any stretch of the imagination. But the reality is that uh, black girls, Native American girls, and girls of color are disproportionately represented among uh, victims of domestic minor sex trafficking. And the pornography industry fuels that, and it also normalizes it, and it also sexualizes these young girls to the point where this seems quite acceptable. And then when they seek help, we've already stigmatized them and stereotyped them as not victims, so they don't get the help that they need. So I think, again, not saying that porn causes this, but it doesn't make the problem better. You you also, with regards to children specifically, you also talk about how because of all the new technology, you said that pornography, the, the industry, they will take advantage of all the advances and what have you. So now you can stream all of this content on your phone or mobile device or whatever you got. And you said because uh, of the ease of accessibility schools are not safe places uh for right. young black girls can you talk about that yeah i mean there's clearly when we talk about the school to prison pipeline we often talk times talk about young black men and justifiably so but girls are being uh victimized in schools and then when they resist or they fight back then they're kicked out of the school system and sexual violence against them in the school system is not taken very seriously. Kids are also watching pornography on their cell phones and getting easy access to that, and that is sometimes happening in academic environments. So we can't um, minimize the impact that pornography, the easy access to pornography uh, that it has on children, especially in academic environments. Wow. And you talked about that a lot in the film, that because of that easy access, you have a lot much easier than maybe 50 years ago uh, that you have a lot of mm -hmm. lot of younger folks that is 
education. That is their sex ed 101 is whatever porn mm-hmm. content that they've looked at on their phone or on their computer or what have you, maybe even at school uh, for the day right. or, or for the week. Uh, and even with the school content, are you, I don't know if you're familiar, it's a young adult book. It's been on the New York Times young adult uh, bestseller list for over a year. Uh, Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give, she's a black female. Are you familiar with that book? I have not read it. I've, I've heard of it. Okay. It's it's marketed or promoted. They're making a film out of it. It came out last year. Mm-hmm. They're marketing it as uh, kind of the Black Lives Matter book. It centers around a black male who's shot and killed by the police. And his best friend is a black female. She's a witness to this. And so dealing with that and her going to a predominantly white school and how she, uh, as they code switch, as they say, between these two environments and deals with the shooting, we will finish it uh, this coming Friday on our book club. As we have been reading it, I've been saying that to me, the main part of the story is not this police shooting, but the main part of the story is the interracial relationship between Uh, the main character who's a black female and this white male uh, that she goes to school with. And I've been saying that this is softcore porn. Uh, This is just like two quick lines that uh, this is a scene that's maybe a a few chapters after the police have killed this black female's uh, male friend. Uh, But the book, it says uh, fooling around isn't new for us, uh, Chris and star white male, black female. Uh, Chris slipped his hand in my shorts. I didn't think anything of it. Then he got me going and I wasn't and I really wasn't thinking at all. For real, my thought process went out the door and right as I was at that moment, he stopped, reached into his pocket and pulled out a condom. He raised his eyebrows at me, silently asking for an invitation to go all the way. Now, again, this is on the New York Times young adult bestseller list has been there for over a year, spent 36 weeks as the number one bestseller. Uh, but in my opinion, a lot of this plays into a lot of the same tropes that we've been discussing. Uh, do you have any thoughts, even though I know you haven't read the book in its entirety or what have you? I think that this is so complicated. And I think that what this means to me, several things sort of jump out as you talk uh, about this. I think that young black women need to have our own Me Too movement where we talk about uh, sexual coercion and sexual violence regardless of who the perpetrators are. Uh, we need to be having those conversations about sexual violence in uh, our community and widely. And the other point that sort of jumps out to me as well, just from that passage, is that we need to be doing a better job with sex education in our community so that that young people have medically accurate sex education so that they don't so that they can make the best decisions for themselves and for their bodies and their future uh, and that's true for both young men and women so not having read the book I uh, can't really comment on that but uh, I guess my my point is that that's when kids experiment when they don't have places where they can talk about those issues uh, in a safe, supportive environment. Mm-hmm. What's your uh, what's your thought on? There's been such a tremendous amount of racist comment that there's something sexually 
uh, dangerous uh, and deviant about black people. Uh, Harriet Washington in Medical Apartheid, she talks about mm-hmm. uh, civil, notoriously syphilis soaked race. That was the big thing at the beginning of the 20th century. And then later on, and even now to some degree, AIDS uh, and saying black, same thing, black people are so insatiable and reckless that, you know, they just have sex and spread AIDS everywhere. How do you mm-hmm. balance that with the extraordinary popularity of all of these interracial racist pornography videos? How do you, it it seems just so massively incongruent. Right. And I think it's almost like a bit of history. It's almost like they try to take a kernel of truth out of it and then twist it in some kind of bizarre way. So the, the fact isn't that black women were sexually insatiable. They were just getting raped throughout history and couldn't control their sexuality. So then stereotypes came out of that that said, well, this is who African-American people are. And then we almost, because we're so immersed in those images, almost uh, take them on as normal and then act them out. So it's like a very strange feedback loop that is very difficult to sort of extricate yourself from. And so how I sort of make sense of it is that we need to be having conversations about, okay, this is where these images come from historically, and this is why these images were created. Given that these images exist, how do we have a a healthy sexuality in the midst of this sexual madness? How do we take ownership of our sexuality, make decisions that work best for us, but not to be ashamed and to celebrate our sexuality in ways that are healthy and relationships that are self-fulfilling? How do you create um, something that's going to work for you that's not negative, that's apart from these stereotypes? And I don't have the answer to that, but that's a question that I, I... wanting a conversation that at least that I want to have with people. Hmm. Context of white supremacy before I nab a caller. uh, We've talked consistently about the role of white women in supporting the system of white supremacy. Uh, I, the percentage 52%, 52% of the children that are involved and arrested in uh, the child sex trafficking industry are African-American children. That was one of the statistics uh, from the documentary that I saw, uh, Dr. West's documentary. Uh, that 52 also reminded me 52% of white women voters supporting Donald Trump. How have your white feminist colleagues responded to your pleas that they address what you've seen in the porn industry with regards to the treatment of black females? (laughs) That's a really good question. You know, I'm finding that in, in some ways nobody wants to have this conversation with me. Um, I really see myself as a black feminist scholar and I'm very clear about that. And I look at intersectionality uh, because I, I think that African-American women and, and men, we, we occupy this intersectional identity. But in some cases, some feminist scholars feel that I'm shaming sex workers or I'm being anti-pornography or anti-sex. So it's a conversation that they're not super excited to have. 
And I've actually found some African-American scholars uh, have not been really wanting to have that conversation either because the images are just so distressing. Uh, so it's been an odd time in my, my academic um my academic life right now. Uh, so there are certainly, to, but to answer your question, I think some feminist scholars, some white feminist scholars do want to have the conversation, but they're not exactly sure how to have that. Uh, they're sometimes very fearful of talking about racial issues in pornography uh, for fear of how they may sound or saying the wrong thing. So it's it's been interesting. Wow, <laughs> that sounds uh, that sounds so familiar. I remember some of those same uh, excuses when we were asking folks why there was no attention for Daniel Holtzclaw, now a convicted serial rapist, uh, why there was no attention, and why weren't white feminists speaking up and being vocal, uh, you know, talking about this issue. And we heard, you know, some similar uh, similar excuses. Uh, yeah, with <laughs> our folks who dialed in with a question, uh, let's see, person person who dialed in two last four digits two, sorry five one three six five one three six. Did you have a question for Doctor West? You should be with us. Last four digits. Oh uh, yes, oh. Uh, thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, um, um, Doctor West. Can you give a prediction of when white people will start making laws to where they can marry their dogs, their pets? Thank you, ma'am. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think that that's going to happen uh, anytime soon. I teach a course on sexual deviance. I'm, I'm not seeing any um, groundswell where people are kind of fighting for that right. So, uh yeah, I'm not losing sleep over that one, so not seeing that coming down the pike. Hmm. Easy one. Caller in Alabama, appreciate that. I'm just, before I hit our next call, I'm just remembering. Uh, I watched Manhunt uh, about the Unabomber, Ted uh, Kaczynski, for counter-racist reasons, but there's a point that reminded me of your film today, Dr. West. I had such a laugh. Uh, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski now, and he's out in Montana, no black people around, out in his little cabin making bombs. But there's a point in the film where he's talking and he says, I don't understand what all this focus is on a woman's backside, unless it's a Negro woman. And that's what he says uh, in the movie, unless it's a Negro woman. I said, oh, that Dr. West was just talking about that in her film, all this attention and focus on black females' bottom. Uh, the person, I think it's Thomas in New York. Thomas in New York, did you have a question for Dr. Mm -hmm. Carolyn West? Yes, I do. Good evening, Gus. Greetings. Good evening. Good evening, Dr. West. Um, yes, I have a few questions. Um, and this is a great topic. I wanted to know, what do you think is the psychology of white men who watch um, ghetto gathers and... Um, um, you know, the videos where they all have on Confederate flag shirts and um, it's 10 guys speaking or having sex with a young black girl, at least someone who looks young, is presented as young. What is the psychology of those white men and what are the psychology of the black men who find that entertaining? You know, that's a really good question. And there hasn't been a great deal of research on that. 
you know, the only thing that seems to fit is that uh, it's so normalized and the degradation of degrading another human being uh, seems to be part of the sexual arousal. And I'm finding, too, with pornography, nobody wants to see mainstream vanilla pornography. It's got to be more and more interesting or unique or different or degrading to sort of get people's uh, attention. So uh, the porn industry seems to have to come up with unusual things uh, to keep people looking, but uh, to further answer your question, a lot of the porn that's really attracting white men is black men having sex with white women. And so black men are often, t- in interracial porn of that nature, black men are often depicted as thugs and criminals and rapists uh, and sort of violating white women. And that's a market that's seems to really appeal to white men. So I guess the notion is that if you really want to degrade women, the way to see that happen also is by having her have sex. A white woman having sex with a black man is the ultimate degradation. So it seems like at the heart of all of this is seeing women degraded uh, for a variety, seeing black women degraded, like in ghetto gaggers and having their heads stuffed in toilet bowls and seeing white women degraded by having sex with with black men. So degradation uh, and humiliation seems to be at sort of the heart of this type of pornography. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I noticed, um, well, I think I based the psychology of white men who watch um, get a whole guys. lot of really excited people for favorite topics. So we got to oh. go just questions. <laughs> gotcha. Just questions. Oh, okay. Um, I've noticed also that it, amongst black women, they like to watch a lot of um, black men having sex with black men and being punished. Um, what do you think is the psychology factors behind that? You know, I think people, there's because there's like a stigma, there's a taboo attached to it. Uh, and people are always looking for something new and, and different. That seems to really be the heart. I want to see something I haven't seen before. And so novelty could be a part of it. And again, putting it in historical context, uh, it's seen as particularly degrading. So that, so I haven't seen a lot of interviews with people who are consuming this. So it's it's really sort of hard to know. Uh, because people aren't necessarily revealing that. But maybe in my my next body of research, I'm going to look at how black men are depicted in pornography, and I'm going to start to look at the reviews that people write about the different uh, porn uh, videos to see if I could see what more about what they're saying about what why this is appealing or attracted to them. So, um, so you gave me an idea for the next research project. Thank you. And my very last question, thinking to us for taking my question, is um, why do you think it is that um, it seems like um, when they have these porn awards, um, they actually have an award show at the Grammys for porn, um, the white women who win um, seem to only be able to win the, the porn star of the year or whatever for the sex scene they did with the very well-endowed black men. Um, they never get um, the accreditation for having sex with the white men. 
I just wanted to know your thoughts on that, and that was my last question. Okay. So I'm sorry, could you, could somebody repeat that for me? I'm, I had trouble hearing all of it. It sounded like it was the Adult Video News Expo and winning porn awards. Right. He was saying uh, why is, uh, it's he's seen that the white women who win these porn awards, that they win yeah. for a sex scene that they had with a black male. And it seems like you can't win or be validated for a sex scene with a white man. And why do you think that is? You know, that's a good question. I've spent some time doing this research, going to Vegas and going to the Adult Video Expo so that I could learn a little bit more about the porn industry. Uh, now, as I understand it, though, I mean, interracial porn is just kind of a niche market. Uh, so uh, the biggest part of the industry is oftentimes white performers. So, you know, I can't really speak to that because I haven't really done research on it. But I do – there is a body of research, though, that suggests that there is sort of – a stigma with white women having sex with black male performers and they will charge two to three to four times as much to do interracial scenes because that's seen as somehow degrading and your status kind of is reduced if you're a white woman having uh, sex with black performers. So I I can't say about the awards though. I I just don't have any background or haven't seen any research on that. Uh, the caller with the last four digits, eight zero two seven eight zero two seven. Did you have a question for Doctor West? You should be with us. Hello, uh, how you doing, Gus? How you doing, Doctor West? Good. Uh, I have uh, two questions. Mm-hmm. Um, one is, what has been some legislation or uh, some sort of um, benefit? that has been passed because of the action taken by uh quote unquote a black feminist or womanist. And I'll leave room for you to answer that I'm sorry. In terms of legislation? Uh yeah. You know, I think we can't speak to legislation, but off the top of my head I really like what Kimberly Crenshaw uh, has been doing around say her name and sort of lifting up black women who've been killed by police officers. So I think there are black feminists. Uh, uh, Melissa Harris Perry, I really like her research as well. And I like that there are people out there certainly talking about intersectionality and how violence and other social problems. Uh, or somewhat different for African-American women and making sure that they are not invisible. Uh, So I do think that black feminists have a role in what we're doing, even though in some cases black feminism is sort of stigmatized. I think oftentimes we think about a feminist lens, we think about white feminists, and we forget that black women have always talked about intersectionality and not only the experiences of African-American women, but African-American men as well. Okay. Uh, For my second question, do you believe, I know you said you don't try to, I don't know what you exactly said, but basically you don't try to like tell people how to uh, make their sexual judgment. Um, 
do you believe that there is a such thing as a healthy interracial relationship? Just personally. Personally, um, I think that, like most things, it's complex. And I would not say to other people that they don't have a right to be with who they want to be with, but I think it's like asking the question, if it's you're attracted to somebody because of who they are versus they're a fetish object for you. And if you are just like excluding half of the human race because of because of their race, I can see how that could be a problem. So I know that that's like a discussion that can sometimes get really painful and complicated. And I was thinking about that recently with a young man who was shot, I think, in his grandmother's backyard, uh, Stefan Clark. Yeah. And he had posted some things on Twitter and elsewhere about just some pretty nasty stuff about black women and how undesirable they were and how some women, some that was so painful for some black women, they were talking about should we really be marching on behalf and trying to get justice for um, a, a young man who had no, who saw no value in black women when he was alive. Uh, but yet black women are out here also, you know, taking up the mantle saying we've got to fight police brutality, particularly against African-American uh, men. So my point is I, I, I get that. And I could see also how internalized racism and discrimination almost makes us turn on each other in some, <clears throat> in some pretty hateful and hurtful ways. That said, um, I think that there are people who can have healthy, happy interracial relationships. I, as a person who's from the outside looking in, I don't, I don't think it's my place to say, well, this is not healthy or happy because I don't, I don't know. Well, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, sir. Uh, person who called in last four digits, four, 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 three, four, 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 three. Did you have a question for Dr. West? You should be with us. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, two questions. Uh, my first question is, um, like, uh, what kind of images do you think would work best against, well, what kind of black female images do you think would work best against um, racism, white supremacy? And also, how do you think um, white people would react to those images? Well, that's a really great question. I it's almost difficult to create images that are almost really free of this history that we've always taught, we've already talked about. Uh, so off the top of my head, how would you create an image uh, like that? I, I think it just needs to be more complex images. I think it probably needs to be images where people are not just solely reduced to their um, their sexuality. Uh, I 
think it is about creating images where we see a range of people's intellectual capacity, of their beauty, of of them just not being reduced to one thing, not being reduced to big butts or um, what they can do sexu- sexually, but as, as full, authentic human beings. And I think that's a problem across cu- the entire culture because our whole culture is sexualized. So uh, I think that would be the million-dollar question. Um, I guess the, the second part to that question was um, how do you think white people react to such image, images? How do I think white people do what with images? How do you think white people react to those images? <laughs> um, I would hope that there would be something positive in, in that. I thought about that when I went to see Black Panther and to see that movie do so well. Uh, with people across racial backgrounds. And I hope that uh, there can be a desire to see some at least different images where uh, African Americans and black people are being powerful, being authentic, being super intelligent, being heroic, that there, there. I'm hoping that somewhere out there, there's a, a need and desire to see something else than more of the pornified images uh, that we tend to be bombarded with. So I'm, I'm hoping that there is, there is a desire to see that, and if they're uh, created well, that people will be attracted to those images. Okay, thank. You. I have a quick question. Sure. Um, Sorry, um, forgive my ignorance, but um, what is a a black feminist scholar? I see myself as a black feminist scholar just in that I look at I I look at intersectionality. I look at the multiple intersecting identities of racism. I don't think we can just limit black women's experiences to racism, but how does sexism? How does classism, how does homophobia, how do all of those multiple intersecting identities that black women have shape the experiences that they have uh, in society? I don't think it can just be really simply reduced to racism. I think we have to look at multiple identities that African-American women have and how that shapes their experiences in this culture. So that would be it in a nutshell. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. A uh, person who rang us last four digits, 5678. 5678, did you have a question for Dr. West? Yes, I do. Good evening. Um, Dr. West, Good evening. You, uh, you mentioned... Um, about having control over your sexuality. And so my question is, um, how how do we have that um, when it's very difficult to define what normal versus abnormal sexuality is when people are very um, cautious about defining anything as perverted or abnormal? So how do you gain that control and how do you define what normal and abnormal is? Oh, that is such a good question, and that's what I've really been grappling with 
in my research, and I've actually had people sort of push back. I think sometimes we want to be so open and not stigmatize or shame anybody, and that's how porn, I think, gets away with what we're seeing because the argument is, well, ghetto gaggers is just fantasy, and it is not, it's not a racist assault. And so it's almost like, well, we should accept this because, well, some people are just into having their heads shoved in the toilet bowls. And so maybe there is an element to where we do get to say, just as healthy human beings, ghetto gaggers is not a healthy, a healthy situation. So I think part of it is African American in general, and particularly black women, need to talk about the history behind these images. We need to talk about what works best for us, and we need to understand that a healthy sexuality doesn't leave you feeling objectified or demoralized. I think that there are a lot of people out there having a, a lot of really, really bad sex, and it's not healthy or happy for them emotionally. And I think that sometimes women feel like they have to do things that their partner is seeing in pornography or seeing in the media that leaves them not feeling good about themselves, about their bodies, about their relationships. And I think at the the heart of it, if it's something that's not leaving you, if it's leaving you feeling shameful, fearful, um, not connected to the other person, that's usually an indication that it's not something that you should be really feeling good about. And I, I think of that when I see young girls taking pictures of themselves and posting sexually explicit images online uh, because they feel like they have to do that, or I see that with older women who are having sex with people that they really don't want to be with partners who are maybe having multiple partners or uh, other situations that don't leave them feeling very happy about. So I think part of it is turning the lens internally and asking what feels good to me, what feels right to me, what feels uh, where I'm having embodied sex, where I feel present during my sexual encounters and I feel safe. When that's not happening, then that's usually not healthy. Oh, thank you. That loops me into my last question. Um, what do you think uh, the impact is for children? That sets people on a really difficult life path where they're drinking or they're using drugs to self-medicate or they're not being able to have healthy relationships because of that sexual trauma that goes untreated, uh, I think it's just devastating. It's, it's leading to high rates of eating disorders. Uh, I love the book by Roxanne Gay, Hunger, where she talks about how she developed her eating disorder and weight problems that stem from a sexual assault when she was a teenager. Uh, I think it's leading to high rates of HIV and sexually transmitted diseases because people don't know how to manage their sexuality. So I think if we can 
as a community, do a better job of dealing with sexual violence and getting the people help that they need, we can really do, we have to still deal with systemic racism, don't get me wrong, but if we can deal with that, we can deal with a whole host of other social problems in our community if we can deal with the sexual violence piece. And I'm sorry, I I did have one last question. Sure. Um, Do you think there is a difference between black sexuality and white sexuality? And thank you. Okay. I think that black sexuality certainly has been shaped um, by racism. And I don't know that it's different in any any not in terms of like biologically, but I think that our sexual relationships have been made more complex uh, because of beauty images and how we see ourselves as sexual beings and being dehumanized and not being seen as equal. I think when you internalize that, we mistreat ourselves and we mistreat other people. And that's why it keeps going back to me for, again, what does it mean to be having a healthy sexuality and tackling history and tackling uh, pornography and tackling sexualized images and, and, and tackling what we're told about ourselves to create a healthy sexuality. So I think it's, it's probably much more complicated in that way. Uh, but I also am reminded of all the ways that black folks have still had a deep sense of love for each other that's helped us to transcend some of that trauma. Appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, retired firefighter in Florida. Did you have a question for Dr. Carolyn West? You should be with us. Uh, yes, sir. Greetings uh, to everyone and to the guests. Uh, uh, to the guests, um, the first question is, uh, there is a uh, person who, is, who has been making the news internationally all over the world uh, that happens to be something that is called a porn star, uh, and primarily <laughs> Uh, to shorten the conversation is due to her having uh, reportedly having sex with the person who is in the position of president of the United States. Uh, She appears to have a lot of credibility. Uh, She has appeared in television programs uh, 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 and uh, in the courtrooms and whatnot, and it appears that she has a lot of credibility as a witness and uh, I am just opposing that to uh, a black female. What is your take? You think a black female would get as much attention as this person would be getting, or this person is getting? You <laughs> think a black female would be in the same position? Absolutely not. Uh, would just even if you're not a porn star, just being a, a, a black woman um, making those accusations, absolutely not. Uh, she okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, being that you uh, speak on the subject, uh, what is your meaning to the word pornography, and is it limited to sex? You know, that's a good 
question. Usually we think about pornography as being sexually explicit material. But I think that there is sexually explicit material. I teach a human sexuality course. So there are there is sexually explicit material that's uh, respectful and that talks about heterosexual techniques that I use in class uh, to to show those things. It's kind of hard to talk about human sexuality and not see sex and and see people having intercourse. So I think that there can be sexually explicit material that is uh, not demeaning, degrading, that can be erotic um, and sexual and probably far less problematic than um, what we see in mainstream pornography. So I'm not opposed to all sexually explicit material, um, but uh, certainly some of it is problematic. Do you think sex, sexual relations, sexual intercourse between white people and non-white people has and or will be a solution to eliminating the system of racism and white supremacy? No, I think, I think that is systemic. I think it's structural. I think it permeates all of our, our entire society. So systemic problems require systemic solutions. And I don't see how that could, people of different racial groups having sex could dismantle systemic racism. Do you see where it can be harmful to solving the problem? I don't know if it's necessarily harmful. I, I, I can see certainly some of those dynamics getting acted out um, in relationships. I can see some of those dynamics getting acted out in pornography. There is a genre of pornography called race play where people of different ethnic groups um, I mean, there's there, a young uh, woman just wrote a book about it recently, and her argument is that race play can be positive, where black people perform like they're enslaved people and they enjoy being beaten and whipped by white people, and that's just another genre of sex play. I don't know if I – that's a stretch for me. I don't know if I necessarily – agree that that could necessarily be healthy or a, a good situation. But uh, I don't certainly think, though, that we can make interracial sex illegal, and that's going to fix anything either. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, okay. Uh, just, rem just remember, everybody, I, I used the word sex between white people and non-white people. Uh, I don't use the word myself, uh, interracial. Mm -hmm. yeah, point well taken. Thank you. Appreciate that, retired firefighter. Uh, we had a listener who wrote in. He said uh, he's enjoying the broadcast. Does your documentary have a release date, Dr. West? It does. We're trying to get it out next month. If you check my website, drcarolynwest.com, for updates, you can. I will be releasing a trailer here shortly about the documentary. 
I will be releasing information about where I'm screening it locally in Tacoma and other places. And um, I'm now in the process of looking for a distributor to get it into classrooms. But uh, otherwise, I'll just release it on Vimeo and have people watch it that way. So we're still kind of going back and forth with uh, the release date. But I will be sharing things through my website uh, about the documentary and the final release date. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with people. It's it's traumatic and deeply disturbing, but I think it will help us to have some conversations that we need to be having. Spectacular. I'm tweeting uh, your website right now, drcarolynwest.com, oh, so people can stay updated and get information. We do have Cal's listeners in the Seattle area who would probably be willing to trek to Tacoma. Where, mm-hmm. where are you going to be doing a screening sometime in the next month or so? We'll be doing a screening at the University of Washington here in Tacoma, downtown Tacoma. Oh, okay. Uh, do you have a date mm-hmm. for it? Uh, we have a date uh, on the 16th of May, uh, around 12 noon, and I'll be posting that on my website. And we'll also be doing a screening on the 22nd of May at 6 p.m. Uh, down here on the Tacoma campus for uh, a Black History class. Wow. Spectac- and I'd be happy to come to Seattle as well, and I'll be traveling around the country uh, doing other screenings. So I'd be happy to come uh, other places and share this documentary as well. Awesome. I'm down to take a field trip. I have friends in Tacoma, so that's that's not, not too far to uh, to travel. Uh, the person who dialed in, last four digits, uh, 7722, did you have a question for Dr. West? Yes, uh, greetings to the host and uh, to the guest. I first want to say thank you for your work, Dr. West, because it seems like you probably have to see some very unsettling things to get the research that you did. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. Um, my questions, I uh, had two questions. My first question was, um, what does the role of, or what is the role of pornography given the use by people who practice racism what would be the the role of pornography be in a healthy sexual relationship? You know, there are some sex therapists who argue certainly that pornography can be used um, in healthier sexual relationships to give people an ideal about sexual techniques or uh, for sexual arousal. But I think it's like anything else. I think asking yourself or people who are using it what the purpose is. I don't know that watching people who get paid to pretend like they're having fun having sex is a way to really learn about your sexuality because it's a performance, not a real embodied sexuality. Uh, so, But I, I have talked to couples and I have talked to individuals who – say that that works well for them. I've also talked to individuals where one person had a really bad porn addiction and it wasn't so great for them. So I, I, that said, I would, say, I would say that if people wanted to sort of explore that, I would look for videos 
uh, that are more about sexual techniques where the couple actually talks to each other um, rather than mainstream pornography. Thank you. My mm -hmm. second question was, in its current form, because um, I believe that there have been what we would describe as pornography in other parts or other cultures, but in its current form, would it be safe to assume that what we call pornography is a of European slash white origin? You know, throughout history and culture, there have always been like sexually explicit images. But what I'm seeing in mainstream porn, uh, for sure. Now, there are some performers who are saying that they're producing uh, pornography specifically for black couples or that feature black couples. But most of the images that I'm seeing in mainstream porn seems to be deeply rooted in just this racist history that's been with us since the beginning of time. And so that's that's more of the mainstream porn. So I'm not saying that there aren't other genres out there that try to push back on that and to try to create alternative images of African Americans, but most of the mainstream stuff really kind of does come out of that, that history that we've talked about. Okay, uh, thank you for answering my question. My last question was dealing with sure. pedophilia. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you think that um, the interracial or sex between non-white and white people, as we see its frenzied popularity now, do you think that is going to extend um, into full-blown pedophilia where it becomes accepted for white people to have sex with non-white children, um, not only on film, or but also in... Um, and in, I hate to use the term, real life or mm -hmm. um, in our in this society? Uh, well, of course, child pornography is illegal, but as I said, um, I don't think that throughout the culture is certainly sort of frowned upon, but there is a genre of pornography that involves performers who are minors and who are underage, and that certainly is happening where it's being filmed, and you can still get easy access to child pornography. Uh, so my concern, though, is it does with a barely legal-type pornography, even though those are adults, and some of the child pornography, there is always the concern that it could fuel that, and it does make it seem like pedophilia is normal, it's acceptable, and child sex offenders will use that material. Uh, so it's, it's kind of unclear if porn creates that or if people who have those proclivities are attracted to porn. Uh, so it's sort of a chicken and egg thing, but uh, it's certainly a problem with minors and people who are younger. So that's across racial groups or the concern about that transcends race. But kids of color are just more vulnerable uh, because almost nobody really cares about what happens to them. So pedophiles are going to go after, and child abusers are going to go after the children who uh, can be victimized with fewer consequences. Have you now or have you ever been in a sexual relationship with a white person? 
Well, I wanted to sort of talk about my research. My husband is African American. Okay, thank you. That was my um, final question. Thank you, uh, sure. host and guest. Context of white supremacy. I think we might have nabbed all of the callers. If I missed your hand, uh, you, you have been lollygagging. You should go ahead and get your hand up right now. Six four one seven one five three six four zero. Code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you have a question for dr west Uh, i know i did have a few more myself as folks make sure they are satisfied uh for one what are your thoughts i don't know if people know this or not uh there's a whole genre of pornography that is like black lives matter porn not in a work against racism way but in a let's make fun of police terrorizing black people and then we'll add the sex aspect in on top of it so they'll have like a white enforcement official and there'll be some sort of police chase and it'll end with you know some sort of sexual scene uh what are what are just your thoughts on even that being a now very popular genre of pornography just horrifying, but but that's what porn does. It will take whatever is going on in popular culture and sexualize it. There's a, a new one out, and I have intentionally not watched it because I have enough trauma in my life, but it uh, makes fun of the Eric Garner case wow. where the man was being choked and was like, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And uh, when Don Imus said nappy-headed hoes, Immediately, porn produced a, a a video called "Nappy Headed Hoes," and so they will take whatever's going on, and they'll take mainstream movies. I'm I'm sure there'll be a spoof, a, a, a X-rated spoof of Black Panther if it hasn't happened already. Uh, so whatever's going on, but yeah, there is a genre of porn that makes fun of Black Lives Matter. Uh, I think the movie's called. Black Wives Matter. And so you'll see that throughout pornography. Not really. But again, I think that's what porn does. It it, it takes things that are traumatizing or his, historical traumas for black people and it sexualizes it. So it's easy to not take it seriously or even make fun of it because then all of a sudden it doesn't matter when it when you add sex to the mix. Hmm. Something about the popular, like what you were saying before about, excuse me, about uh, the popularity of particularly uh, black males having sexual intercourse with white women, uh, that being such a hugely popular uh, genre or or subset of uh, pornography, uh, to me, uh, it suggests not like what you were saying earlier is totally logical and makes sense in in terms of degrading uh, white women and what could be more degrading than, you know, having sex with a black male. Uh, But to me, it also suggests some form of sexual arousal. Uh, And I I mean, we've talked about this on the program uh, before. Uh, And there was a, a report in Miami. I remember we talked about this with Dr. Curry last summer. There were police officers Uh, And they got fired. They were sending text messages. These were white officers in Florida. And the text message, I'm paraphrasing, but basically this white officer said, I was sleeping and I dreamed that we were out. Black people, they said niggers. Uh, They stole a car. 
We tracked them down and we executed them on the spot. We blew the niggas' brains out. I dreamt this. I woke up and I had a wet dream. Now, we talked about that on the program. I asked Dr. Welsing about this. I asked Dr. Curry about this. Uh, what, you know, what does this suggest? And we were saying to me, this suggests some sort of sexual pleasure being derived from the act of practicing racism. And that's the same thing that I see with the popularity in all of these videos, even the, uh, the cuckold videos, which is, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, some of these where you've got like a white husband and he brings in a black mm-hmm. male to watch him have sex with his wife. So kind of he's kind of being, deg- I mean, all of that to me suggests you are enjoying some aspect of this racism. And that is that is even furthering your sexual enjoyment, the racial aspect. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It made me think about um, the book Chokehold. I think the brother's name is Paul Butler. Uh, he's an attorney who's oftentimes on uh, TV. He wrote a book called Chokehold, and he talked about how oftentimes black men are stopped by the police and are groped and um, touched inappropriately, almost as in a sexual manner. Uh, I mean, when you think about the history of lynchings in this country, uh, black women were lynched as well, but black men were lynched, and oftentimes they're their penises were cut off, you know, almost implying that there was a sexual component to these violent crimes against black bodies. So pornography is just merely an extension of what we've seen historically and in current contemporary culture, I think. It's Mm. really sexualized violence. Mm sexualized racist white supremacist violence absolutely and that, all those things converge absolutely and remind what you just said the lynching uh the castration rather uh as a sexual act of of racism uh reminded me again the late vincent woodard the delectable negro homo eroticism and human consumption in U.S. slave culture, uh, he talks about that and, and going all the way back to plantation days. Something we talked about before on this program, but not too much. I mean, I cannot imagine the amount of hours of, of just really grotesque images and footage that you have to watch to compile a documentary mm-hmm. and to talk about all this and teach your courses and what have you. Uh, how do you detox from viewing all of this filth because i mean i i remember they were talking about people that do like child pornography work for uh, enforcement agencies they were saying for some of them they can't do that for a long period of time because it does have an effect looking at all of that stuff if you have to keep looking at it and looking at it you can only do that for a certain period of time so how do you detox from looking at all this you know some days are harder than others it (laughs) it it really is i do a lot of meditation and yoga, um, I try to work out as much as possible. Um, I have, a, like, a wonderful partner, uh, and he's amazing, who's a psychologist. Um, and we just kind of talk about the trauma and what this all means. But I think what really keeps me going is I know that it's having an impact on the community, and I really want to use the documentary as traumatic as it is as a source of healing and a place where people can at least start to have conversations around sexual violence, around racism, 
around all this trauma that we experience in our lives and in the larger culture and to start unpacking all of this. So working toward a larger good uh, is what sort of motivates me uh, to keep doing the work. Wow. Dr. Carolyn West, University of Washington. Imagine that yoga being mentioned again. Wowie. <laughs> um, do, you, do you go to the studio or do you practice uh, in your residence? I try to go to the studio as often as I can, but meditation has really made a huge difference in, in my life. Just trying to be centered. Um, otherwise, you just feel overwhelmed by it because the images are just, like I said, it's some of the most difficult work that I have ever done. And I've been a, a domestic violence sexual assault researcher for decades, but nothing has disturbed me as much as this work has. And so knowing that this is touching people's lives in real ways, in devastating ways, is just what kind of keeps me motivated to keep doing it, but also trying to be as healthy as possible so that I can keep doing the work. Mm. Underline, highlight that to be as healthy as possible so that you can continue doing the work. Very, very, very important for black people. Uh, the caller at uh, 5771, 5771. Did you have a question for Dr. West? Uh, yes. Uh, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Uh, greetings to uh, Dr. West and Gus. Uh, my apologies. I came in late. But I wanted to know if the film, there was a film that was circulated about two years ago called Something Strange About the Johnsons. Has that been discussed yet? And I, uh, I want to know if you know anything about it, Dr. West? No, I haven't heard of that. Okay, so there was a film about two years ago that was circulating around the social media. It was a, it was a short film about 10 minutes long, I guess. And it was generally about a black family where a son was basically raping his father. Uh, that's mm. the, kind of the gist of it. And it was just a weird movie. But the thing was, was that a lot of people were kind of like saying, hey, this is a great film. Uh, come to find out it was produced by a white man, and it was basically uh, pathologizing sex, you know, black sexual rape within a family. So... Uh, it was weird and it was very racist, but uh, I just wanted to see if you had knew about it and wanted to get your opinion on it. Uh, no, I hadn't, but I certainly will take a look at it. Okay, that was that was yeah. all I had. Yeah, yeah, I certainly will take a look at it. I had not heard about that, um, but it looks like it's easy enough to find it online. So, yeah, I will... I will take a look. I remember that. Because from, I'm fascinated about me, media images anyway, so I'd be curious to see what they did with that. I remember that one from a few years back. It's, uh, yeah, the the grotesqueness abounds. Uh, I Just the, the timing of your visit with us uh, at this moment, uh, Dr. West. So the Bill Cosby trial, I think, wrapped up today. I think they gave final arguments that was today oh, okay. uh scandal ended on thursday mm -hmm. unless i've been misinformed and maybe that doesn't have anything to do with our conversation maybe it does <laughs> uh and 
I don't know. There was one. There was one more piece, but uh, uh, in terms of my view, that this is kind of a a normalized thing. Like some of these tropes are are well beyond uh, the pornography industry, and they're so normalized. I feel like something like Scandal, where that show was super popular and on for so long, super popular, much like the interracial uh, genre of pornography. But it's the same thing. She's you know uh, she references herself as Sally Hemings talked about her earlier and she references herself as a whore. She's having an affair with a white man, very Sally Hemings ish. Uh, if I say so myself, just, I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's leaking beyond pornography. And I think most people, if you said that to them, that this is a part of the same legacy of Sarah Bartman, the porn industry that we talked about today, ghetto gaggers. If you said that, I think most people be like, what are you talking about? This is great. This is empowering. Carrie Washington is, is doing black girl magic. But in my view, it's, it seems pre- it's a lot more in common with ghetto gaggers than we might think. Uh, what do you think, Dr. West? I think that's really fascinating. And I have conversations with my students about that all the time. If you go to my website, my, one of my more recent articles was, uh, is entitled Mammy, Jezebel, Sapphire, and the Bad Girls of Reality Television, where I try to unpack the history of this in current reality. And so I, I've seen both sides of this. I've seen the side where people do take offense uh, by the images because it does harken back to sort of like a Sally Hemings. But at the same time, I also see the argument that people make that uh, she's highly educated and she's almost making a choice to have sex with this very powerful white man who happens to be president or former president of the United States. So where people can push back to say it's different because she's she's presumably empowered uh, with her sexuality and she's making choices about who to sleep with rather than those choices being made uh, for her. Uh, so I, I honestly see both sides of, of the problem uh, in those, those media depictions. And so the only thing I can hope for is more images like hidden figures or uh, other figures that offer more complexity for black women. So I don't think that there's a, but I, I I try to sort of be open to both sides of the argument, and I see where both sides of the argument there's there's problems with the images. Hmm. I remember uh, the folks who were who were talking about the black people who uh, nowadays like uh, voluntarily uh, willingly participate in the. Uh, type of videos where they're being beaten by whites or mm-hmm. shackled or whatever it is. Hey, they have agency. They're choosing to do this and it's no problem. They have agency. I, I, I reckon folks can take that uh, position. <laughs> Anything that is tending to replicate what I have seen on the plantation and in the system of white supremacy, racism, we already got enough of that. We don't need any more of that replicated. Let's push towards justice let's push towards something (laughs) way better than black people being whores and shackled and all of that we have done centuries of that done it done it done it done it done it let's way different way way different and way way better uh unless oh did you were you gonna say something 
Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. And I also understand maybe why people do that because it's financially lucrative as well. Mm. So um, having other options for people, and I think that's where the structural racism part uh, comes into play. Because oftentimes in pornography, the black performers aren't told what the title of the video will be before they they do it they'll hmm. they'll do the filming and then they aren't told until afterwards because if you know the the title is going to be you know ratchet hose then you would probably walk away and say no uh and then you've done it because you needed the money and then that's what the title is so um so also talking about those structural factors or the fact that there have just been such limited characters for African Americans in film that it may, I, I guess I can kind of understand why people think, well, I should do this. Mm, that extremely important as well. I think uh, Ghetto Gaggers and a lot of these other sites, I think lots of traffic, making lots of revenue, lots of money. B billion, not million, lots of money to be made uh, on racist and degrading images of black people. Uh, try, or yeah, in my view, it's it seems like it's a lot difficult, more difficult uh, to do the opposite. Uh, I think we nabbed all the callers. I don't see hands, so I assume everybody is satisfied uh, with their questions that they wanted to get in. Uh, I have tweeted the website so you can check it out. Uh, it is her name, Dr. Carolyn West. Dot com, uh, so you can get information. Uh, you can see latest uh, articles that she's written. You can get information about the documentary, uh, when they're going to have screenings. Uh, if you are in the Tacoma, Seattle area, definitely check it out. I'm going to see if I can make time to go uh, next month uh, and check out one of the screenings. Uh, if you live around here, you should uh, try to do so as well. Uh, anything else you want to make sure you share with us or promote before we let you enjoy the rest of your evening? No, I certainly will be updating my website. I thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm glad people are really interested in this topic, and it has been a pleasure. We thoroughly enjoyed it. The documentary is superb, uh, just stellar effort. I'm uh, really going to be excited when folks get an opportunity. Uh, listeners uh, widespread can check it out. Excellent work. Keep up your outstanding research. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to see you uh, next month. I'll be able to get down to Tacoma and check out the screening. All right. I will post that on my website and I'll send you those dates. Outstanding. Thank you so much for sharing a bit of your Tuesday evening with us, Dr. West. Okay. Have a good one. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. Take excellent care. Okay. Thank you very much. Good evening. Context of white supremacy. Dr. Carolyn West, right here, uh, University of Washington at Tacoma. Been there uh, a few times. Uh, not anyway. Uh, if you, uh, I know we do have listeners that are in uh, that live in the Seattle area. Might be worth a visit uh, to check it out. If it's you know not too much trouble uh, to get to the campus uh, on Tacoma, the film is great. It's about an hour uh, long. Lots. Well, some of the images are disturbing. You already know that up front. But I mean, you know, it's not it's not like gory. Uh, they don't you know, stay on it too, too long. But uh, it is 
powerful, I think. Uh, check it out. Lots of great information. Uh, I'll be looking forward to, I think she said her next project is going to be on how uh, black males uh, are subjected to this same racist treatment in the porn industry. So I guess there'll be a follow-up. Maybe we can have her back on the program when she's done with that part of the project. But really important work in my opinion. I think, as I said, I think at the beginning, if we have any uh, newer listeners who might not understand Mr. Fuller or other folks uh, that they've heard say, well, wait a minute, what do you mean something's incorrect about white people engaging in sexual intercourse or sexual activity with non-white people? What do you mean that that's incorrect? What do you mean that the white person is always engaged in an act of white supremacy if they're engaged in any type of sexual activity with a non-white person? Why on earth would you take that position? Hopefully, this broadcast will help folks get a better understanding of the logic behind that. That's not a position that's based on emotion or just dislike or we're going to be irrational about things. No, that's just making a calm, logical assessment about what are the correct behaviors non-white people, black people should be engaged in and should not be engaged in if there is a system of racism, white supremacy, and again, this is another one that comes back to that critical question, what does it mean to be classified as white? Again, if folks need any uh, reading material, I know we have uh, folks always look forward to uh, inspiring listeners to read. Reading is more important than watching TV. Reading and writing more important. Uh, so if you're if you need reading material and this is a subject that you enjoy talking about thinking about researching again some of the books that are related and folks that authors that have been guests on the program richard bernstein suspected race or really you can remove the suspected because he's married to a non-white female the east the west and sex again chapter title the whole world as the white man's brothel. He was on the program in 2009. Pam, the legend, racismws.com. Miss her terribly. I uh, hope she is doing well. Uh, I'm going to continue to check in on her. I'll update uh, when I've been able to speak with her. But the interracial con game. She's been on the program so many times to talk about that book. Super important. Lots of the logic in terms of why whites should not be engaged in sexual activity with non-white people uh, and why that is an act of racism. Lots of logic explained in that text. Uh, Danielle McGuire, suspected racist, uh, at the dark end of the street, black women, rape and resistance, a new history of the civil rights movement. Dr. Welsing uh, also said she thought that that was an important book to read. Uh, and again, I think it's going to the top 10, uh, Vincent Wood, the late Vincent Woodard's the Delectable Negro, Homoeroticism and Human Consumption in U.S. Slave Culture. We did uh, that book on the book club. That's one you can just go back and listen to the book club. We have the uh, audio in the archives beginning of 2017, uh, or you can get the book and read along and use the uh, book club as kind of a, a study guide uh, as you proceed. But definitely worth the read and I think will help a lot. Also, uh, Renithia Tate. Pieces of a Puzzle, really, really important book. She's been a guest on the program repeatedly. Pam is a big fan of her work. Uh, excellent material that will, again, help give logic 
as to what is incorrect about Chris and Star's relationship, the hate you give. That said, uh, any of the folks uh, who dialed in, if you have any comments that you want to get in about uh, Dr. West, her presentation, I'm sure I am the only person here who saw the documentary. So <laughs> that's uh, you all will just have to base your commentary or what have you off of, of what you heard during the dialogue this evening. But any of the listeners uh, have comments they want to get in before we wrap things up? Uh, can I be heard? Retired firefighter in Florida. Am I am I correct? And in, in, did she say uh, that? Uh, I think she was asked about uh, what a black feminist is, uh, and she included in her uh, dissertation about the uh, combination word that. Uh, uh racism is not enough uh and that uh sexism and i think she mentioned something about uh um homo uh what is that word uh i, I have problems with some words because i don't actually use them uh homo uh it, it i think it means fear of homosexuals homophobia was that uh, yeah home, he she mentioned about uh that homophobia uh, are are enough for her to uh, define herself as such, uh, and race doesn't. Uh, uh, if, if not a, I guess, I guess she's. Can you you do you remember that part of the of the interview? I believe I do. I think she also uh, used the term. Could you make some clarity? Could you could you make some clarity for me in in that explanation that she uh, gave? Because I didn't fully understand it. She said what she said. Um, Because I I don't have a transcript right in front of me to read it back exactly. Um, So, yeah, I would just be, you know, being way, way incorrect. (laughs) She said what she said. Okay, one one more thing. To to be explicit, what does that mean? What does it mean to be explicit about something? uh, To use the term sexual explicit. Oh, okay. Then see, that's why it's important uh, context and asking the person in that context. Uh, I think when people or when she said uh, explicit, I think she meant something uh, of uh, a sexual nature, uh, material that some people might find offensive or something that some people uh, content that some people might want censored. That's what uh, she meant when she was using explicit in that manner. I believe I could be in error. Okay. Okay. And because I, uh, when I when I asked about uh, could pornography also mean something that is not necessarily dealing with the people activity of sex, uh, I'm not sure if she went into that. I, I would I would figure uh, based on what what I I think the word means that it would it would filter it would filter into all nine areas of activity the word por- por- pornographic or por- pornography it, it wouldn't just limit itself to sex mm. does that does that make any sense to anybody else 
Uh, it does. I, to me, that makes sense. Uh, I, I would, uh, with listeners, I do always think it's best with words to ask the person that used the term for definition that right. way you can get extra super clarity about, you know, what they meant and all that. That's always the best route to go. Cause you know, everybody else is yeah. kind of guessing anyway. Uh, I do think, uh, in terms of pornography being beyond just, uh, the eighth area of people activity, sex, uh, I myself, and I think myself and others have described these police shooting, uh, videos as a form of pornography, uh, racial pornography to just watch black people be gunned down. In my view, that is certainly explicit content, although not uh, sexual. Uh, but I think that's pornographic. I think there are lots of different ways that racists produce great example pornography uh, in the system of racism, white supremacy that's not necessarily sexual. If that makes sense. Great example. Other folks, uh, anybody else have uh, commentary that they want to get in? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. And just to piggyback off of that uh, metaphor uh, uh, I just used, but um, in regards to the uh, the, the uh, pornography that she, uh, she was saying about how they were using the Eric Garner case for a pornographic film, I thought that was just absolutely sick and you know, I guess, uh, you know, just like you said, they're using that, you know, in their sexual pornographic films. And this is just the, you know, I guess the mind of, a, you know, mind of racist to use such, you know, sick, you know, sick themes like that in sexual content. So uh, that's all I had. That is the system of white supremacy. Other folks have uh, commentary. Any other folks? Oh uh, yeah, I had. Uh, I guess, like, I asked a question about like um, uh, images of black uh, women that could, I guess, uh, counter white supremacy racism, and I guess the only person that I've really heard talk about. Um, sort of some strategies about, um, I guess, constructive images was, was uh, Dr. Welsing. Um, like she would talk about the parade, her parade, uh, you know, dark people and, um, and, and stuff like that. So I, was, I don't know if you, you'll see the, the doctor, but um, like when you go to the screening or whatever, but hopefully you could ask her if she could come up with some, uh, or if she's ever thought like more, like very like strategic images um, that could be used or um, sort of strategies for like kind of racist images of um, um, black women. Uh, thank you. Hmm. That's something to think about. I know Dr. Welsing was mentioned. I do think that image, uh, seeing Dr. Welsing with her natural hair, that's something that we talked about a lot after her uh, transition, but her with her natural hair, and she always uh, just looked like new money. Every time that you see her out for her lecture, she's fresh and pressed and just looks radiant every single time that she goes out. I think that, for me, that would be one image of a black female that is working against racism, white supremacy. I do not think racists would want to see that 
being replicated, someone with black self-respect uh, who cares about black people, uh, herself first and foremost, and then intelligent and, you know, engaged in self-care like that, that right there seems like it could be heading in the correct direction. Uh, do we have any other folks who had uh, commentary they wanted to get in, question, comment they wanted to get in? Yes, um, yeah, give a comment. Yes, sir. Yes, I, um, I think the, the conversation was constructive. I'm, I'm glad that I got a chance to, uh, to listen to today's show. Um, I do think if the guest comes back on, I would probably ask uh, about, uh, I think it was kind of alluded to, um, white, sex, white sexuality and black sexuality. Um, I've had a hard time recently finding information about um, African sexuality, and I've come to the conclusion that almost everything um, that I know about sex was given to me by white people. And um, I, I mean, I wouldn't even know what what it would even start to look like. So I think that was something I would I would like to have the guest. Um, I, I was also a little confused um, by the title of a black feminist. I'm not sure I got a clear definition of what that meant. So I, I, that also. Um, and I think that it, it's just further with her doing all of her studies uh, in depth studies on sexuality, specifically from the point of view of racism, white supremacy. I, I think that um, it was kind of telling that uh, um, we still have a lot of things that we identify with um, as non-white people that were given to us from the sexual sewer of white minds. So, um, yes, I, I, I'm grateful for the conversation today and, and uh, thank the host for bringing the guest on. Indeed, indeed. Uh, other folks have commentary they want to get in? Nadia? Uh, yes, ma'am. Ivy? Uh, yes, sir. Greetings to us and greetings to uh, all the callers and listeners on the line. I wanted to, well, first I wanted to say uh, I think that uh, it was a very constructive and, and interesting uh, broadcast and um, I wanted to try to explain what I understood about what uh, she was saying in terms of what a black feminist scholar is. From what I understood that she was saying is that a black feminist scholar studies uh, the different or several, if not all the different ways in which women are mistreated or harmed. Uh, not just racism, but so-called sexism, which I don't believe exists, but obviously she does. Uh, sexism, where women are mistreated on the and harmed on the basis of um, on the basis of gender. Classism, mistreated on and harmed on the basis of, of of finances or how much money you make or don't make, or just you know being poor versus rich. Um, she said racism, classism, sexism. Um, I can't remember if, oh, and she said homophobia, uh, I guess homosexual women uh, being mistreated or harmed on the basis of being uh, a homosexual. And she said that it's not enough to just study racism, but from my view and from what I heard, I could have just missed it. I don't think so. But to me, she did not say what it's not enough to do. Like she said, it's not enough to just study these things or just to study racism. 
in order to accomplish what? Like she just said, it's not enough. But I, I was thinking, okay, it's not enough in order to accomplish what or in, or in order to understand what. I guess maybe her position is that it's it's not enough to, um, I guess, understand the full spectrum in which women are mistreated and harmed if you don't study all of these other aspects, which I completely disagree with. Um, but that was my understanding of the answer that she gave. And uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Gus. I'll mute my line. Appreciate that, Ivy. Uh, yeah. Any other folks who had comments they wanted to get in? Uh, yes, I had one quick comment. Yes, ma'am. Um, listening to the conversation, and I definitely want to take a look at the documentary. Um, I thought maybe in her position as as a, as a teacher or as a professor, she might can't be explicit in saying that, you know, the logical conclusion that we've come to, or I think we've come to as a consistent consensus is that, you know, um, it is not constructive to be in so-called interracial relationships or involved in what you call tragic arrangements. Um, because I, I think if some of the comments she was making about how to combat the issues, especially with the negative imagery and pornography and violence, um, I don't understand how we're going to be able to constructively go about implementing those solutions if you cannot explicitly define um, what normal sexuality is or what harmful sexuality is. Um, and if you can't explicitly say, just like we can say that there's racism, that there's non-white people and white people, that's how racism is constructed. I think you have to be able to say there is a difference in white sexuality and non-white sexuality, even if that's being very broad in general. Um, so I would love to, to be able to talk about that more maybe in other broadcasts because I've listened to several that you've done on tragic arrangements. But um, I think that's important to be able to have definitions and somehow define where you want to go from this point if we're saying that this is problematic. Uh, thank you. Can I say one more thing, Gus? Let's hear it. I... <clears throat> Great commentary uh, from the previous female caller, uh, definitions and, and just being more uh, explicit. When I say explicit, uh, I mean <clears throat> definitive, uh, precise about this is, these are our uh, sexual customs, practices, and these are our enemies' sexual practices. I could definitely see a value uh, in that and being uh, explicit as I just defined it about that. Retired firefighter? Yes, because sex is so influential amongst people. But I, I was, my first question, uh, the origins of it came from the strategy of the uh, Montgomery bus situation. Uh, the, the organizers uh, actually, there were there were several there were several people who uh, was uh, 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 not standing up on the bus uh, and getting arrested before uh, Mrs. Parks, uh, but primarily because of uh, the the quote unquote credibility issue. 
is why they had to wait for Mrs. Parks because she was married uh, in a quote-unquote structured uh, in, uh, home environment, that sort of thing. And uh, so it, it just goes to show, the, show that under the global system of racist white supremacy on how between white people and non-white people, especially non-white black people, that uh, uh, we are not considered to be credible beings under the system of racism, white supremacy. Whereas you can have a whorish, whorish uh, 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 white woman that can immediately, I mean, she, she has the, the money that she was paid, uh, reportedly paid, is, is, is almost more than what I have in my 4K, 4K uh, uh, retirement uh, uh, situation. Uh, you know, it's, it, and, and, and she, I know she makes more money than that on, a deal, on, on almost a weekly or whatever basis as far as that concern to show you the disparaging difference between a white female and, and non-white females, especially non-white females who are racially classified as black. And uh, that that is a clear distinction on there being a global system of racism, white supremacy. Thank you. Indeed, <clears throat> indeed. Uh, I think Pam talked about that extensively. That white women uh, and white people, period, uh, that they can have a totally different. Uh, sexual code in terms of functionality because they do not have to worry about those sort of uh, credibility issues. I'm white. That's my credibility. <laughs> Move, nigger. That's my credibility. Uh, regardless of Correct. what I did. Uh, that's, you know, that's the world that we live in, unfortunately. <coughs> Excuse me. Choked myself. Do we have... Uh, I had never heard of that book, Chokehold, uh, either. That was one that I wrote down, adding that. I'm going to check on that after the program. Thomas in New York. Yes, sir. Were you going to comment, Thomas, in New York, or made a brief? Yeah, I, I was. I saw. I was just talking. I didn't know I was muted. I'm sorry. I was confessing. Um, I had a confession. Um, that was my cousin who ran out in front of Bill Cosby naked with the come um, feminist written on her. That was my cousin Nikki, and I was um quite shocked um when I saw that, and um she's um. She's been in tragic arrangements in the past, so it, um, I guess it shouldn't have shocked me, but they were not in the quote-unquote United States. It was tragic arrangements, so I just um, had a confession there. Uh, as far as the porn, um, you know, I find there's a lot of um, psychological profiles that can be taken when you watch um, who is engaging in these porn um, things. Now, one porn site in particular that I thought was uh, very interesting, I was going to mention it, uh, was this one called Blacked. And uh, I started researching it because of the name alone, which is like Black. Wow, I got to see what this is about. And it's this um, very fetishy, um, very high quality um, camera, uh, very high quality as far as the, the, the scenes and the, the scenery and everything. You can tell they spent a lot of money um, renting the places and the women are made up very, very, you know, well, but they're all white and the men are all black. 
and um, the men all are rich, you know, the women are rich, but it's all about the woman. And I just wanted to know, I was going to ask who was that, who did she think that was made for? Was that made for white women or white men? Because it's very odd. Um, and uh, I was going to also mention the dark, the dark web. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, or the, the, the black internet or the dark web. Um, once again, a play on the words. Um, and um, on this type of internet, if you have an onion router and you have um, some Bitcoin, or some money, you know, you can enter these sites where you can see 10 mass white men um, rape a 17 or 16-year-old black girl. And um, the rich people who are um, watching this from their computer can um, throw in $25,000 for them to cut off a finger or a toe, you know. Um, however, there's been so many cases of the black women who've come up missing um, ending up last place being seen on one of these websites and their body and nothing's never been found and the men are all masked and um, they're saying, um, the, the people who own it are saying, oh, this is all staged, but you can tell that it's real. They're cutting off her breast, you know, they're drinking some of her blood. It's whatever these people are typing in and paying and willing to see. And um, of course they do it to white women too, which I suspect are coming from other countries because they don't seem to speak English but for the most part, I've seen a lot of black girls um, in these sites, and they've never been seen again. However, they've been the, some of the missing people. Um, there's been some people who've done work on that, and a few of them haven't um, survived to finish their, their research. But I'll mute my line. Thank you, Gus. Wow. Not, not a surprise. I think if people remember last 2017 like the early portion when there was a lot of attention focused on the missing black girls in the washington dc area not a surprise at all we talked about that with uh jeffrey dahmer uh in wisconsin uh dr west uh mentioned that on the program of course that's who you would want to prey on you know who cares about black children girls boys whatever who cares uh we can go you know and make our snuff flicks and you know do our thing uh not a surprise at all under the system of racism white supremacy uh any other folks have comments they want to get in can i be heard yes sir uh yeah um the the, the large she's doing great i just want to say she's doing great work I, i'm really excited to see what she puts out um my issue with the, the I don't see the benefit of uh, feminism, especially uh, for uh, non-white women. Uh, it was kind of confusing because when I asked her about any kind of legislation or any kind of any kind of progress that uh, non-white women have had by uh, titling themselves as, as feminists, it, it just perplexes me. Uh, I don't know why anyone would be a part of uh, a group that can't really get any kind of uh, work done to progress the situation that they're in. Um, albeit, I, I do um, appreciate the work that you're putting in with, with pornography, but that's that's just my my only comment. Thank you. Right on. Yes. The one thing that I'll, uh, my comment with that, I think when I asked her about her white feminist uh, colleagues and how they responded to her work since she was saying she was kind of motivated 
uh, to do this research because she felt like no one was talking about this uh, when she was saying, you know, hey, we're people that are in in university settings who study sex, study pornography like Dr. Jensen. Uh, where is the analysis in terms of all this racist content? Where is the racist, the discussion of, you know, ghetto gaggers, what Thomas in New York was talking about? Where is that at? And they weren't, they had no comment. They remained mum. I've heard this before. We talked about this before. Just in my opinion, when you keep seeing the same patterns, eventually you got to come to a conclusion. Dr. Kanban talked about that. It can't just be that we keep seeing the same pattern and, you know, are stumped where we're not understanding or we can't, you know, just come to a conclusion about what we think is going on. In my view, white women, hey, <laughs> ain't nothing to discuss. It's nothing to talk about. 52 numbers should be special uh, to black people as long as this problem exists, at least through the current administration for more years. 52% of white voting women voted for our current president. White women were also mum when Daniel Holtzclaw's trial was happening before and after, they got a whole lot to say about Bill Clasby. They didn't have a whole lot to say about Daniel Holtzclaw. Still haven't had a whole lot to say about Daniel Holtzclaw. In my view, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. It's no head scratching. Dedicated to the system of white supremacy. That is what you are aligned with. You are not down for the sisters. You are not trying to look out. You're oppressed black sisters and niggers in general and let's deal with all of the no that's not what you're about at all your allegiance is to the system of white supremacy got it that's how i'm going to deal with you that's what i'll think and i won't lose any time over that and if i'm wrong well then i'll find that out i'll remain open to that but man come to conclusions uh particularly when you keep seeing the same patterns repeat just a suggestion anybody else are we good folks have anything else they want to get in Ah, Shay. Um, Gus? Ivy? Didn't you uh, one time read, I don't know if you remember, but I thought that on a previous broadcast you read where at the same time that black people were defending themselves against racism but they were being accused of rioting, uh, the feminist movement um, came into being. Do you remember that? Yep, I remember the exact paragraph, but because of the flood, I don't have my library, so I can't just reach and grab the book. But it was uh, it was a white woman's biography. Uh, she was on the program. If you gave me more time, I could think of it, but yeah, because of the flood, I can't just look at my library and be like, oh yeah, that was such and such. But yep, it was a white woman. She uh, wrote it in her biography that during the sixties, like she was pinpointing the exact moment and basically saying like, yep, at this moment when black, it was, it was as the uh, Negro militancy was increasing. That was when feminism uh, really picked up and, you know, yeah, sexism down with the man. He's oppressing others. And, and the white biographer who wrote this book, she uh, talked about, I asked her about that in detail because I thought that was a really important point, And she went, into great detail uh, about that and saying, yep, that's about the size of what happened, almost seeming deliberate, even though she didn't go that far. But that's exactly what it looked like to me. Very deliberate to cause confusion uh, with regards to racism, white supremacy. Casualty of the flood that I can't tell you the book. Yeah, that's uh, that's the reason that I 
if you could excuse me for a minute, I don't want to, yeah, I wanted to turn that fan off on when I have my background noise. Um, excuse me, that's why my voice is kind of messed up because of the air. But anyway, um, because it, it just, the thing about that, it, it, it just speaks to how white people always try to deflect from racism. And if you have this classism and homophobia and all this other stuff, then at the end of the day, nobody's really being mistreated because it, it really gets ridiculous. Sort of like the, uh, the white privilege conference where, you know, you got, you know, able bodyism and all these, just all of these isms that really aren't isms at all, because ultimately racism is more than just mistreatment. Racism is subjugation and all these other isms don't have anything to do with subjugation. They're just, they're just different forms of mistreatment. Like black men do not subjugate white women. So there's no such thing as sexism and, and, and rich black people don't subjugate white poor people. And in fact, it's the other way around. So there is no, classism if anything this is just mistreatment men treat mistreat women women mistreat men that's not the same thing as as subjugation which is what uh racism is is is, is subjugation and and a, a black woman is actually credited with that term in a sex intersexuality excuse me intersectionality where supposedly all of these isms intersect when they don't at all and even though a black woman is credited with that i think that white people are behind that and that somehow they've been able to put a black woman's face on that. I'd like to know who the, 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 the real original person is who kind of came up with that concept. And I believe that that person, cause I mean, we're all educated by white people anyway, and they were able to spread, you know, that doctrine. And then again, somehow this black woman gets credited with that, but that's the whole thing that you end up with. You just end up with a bunch of confusion because ultimately it's just lies. There is no intersectionality and there's no, you know, all these other isms. There's only one ism and that's racism. And that's why the firefighter and probably some other people were confused because it is, it's just a bunch of confusion because it's just lies. And, you know, that's, that's all I wanted to add. And uh, I'll mute my line. Thanks guys. It was uh, Ann Braden. My memory is not that bad. Uh, it was Catherine Fosel. Uh, she was a guest on the program, I believe, 2014. Year might be off, but Subversive Southerner. It was about Ann Braden. If I was at my residence, I could give you the exact page, exact paragraph where she says that. But since I don't, I can just tell you that is the book. And she was on the, the author of the book, Catherine Fosel, Suspected Racist. She was on the program. And uh, we talked about that portion specifically. Uh, white women distracting from racism, white supremacy. Anything else? I just want to quickly say, yeah, I listened to that broadcast. That's where I got it from. It was a great broadcast. That was it. Reading is more important than watching television. Just like to thank uh, Miss Ivy for clearing that up for me. Uh, I think she, uh, provided clarity. Thank you, Mr. Firefighter. I was really hoping to do that. I was concerned that I, I didn't do a good job of it, but I really, really tried. Thank you so much. You're welcome, ma'am. Anything else? Folks satisfied? Uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. 
can I be? Can I, uh, I just want to say really quickly, uh, because of, um, I think it's Ivy, she did a great job clar clarifying, by the way, but because of that kind of uh, instruction about racism and white supremacy, she began talking about racism as if it's it, it, some sort of atmosphere, like something so intangible and abstract, calling it systematic and, you know, it's just this big ominous thing that you, that's not tangible, which I just find extremely incorrect. But uh, that's all I want to say. Is that James in the STL? Can you repeat that, please? Who just spoke? Was that Jay in the STL? Uh, no, ma'am. Okay, well, thank you anyway for what you just said. And I think that the guest herself, as well as a lot of people, are confused because this stuff is, is confusing, and that's the whole point, because they want white people want to distract from racism as, as much as possible. And if, if they can accomplish the goal that if everybody's mistreated, there's really no such thing as racism and black people aren't really mistreated, that's what that's what they want to get to if they can get there. And they're 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 making kind of a, a lot of progress with just all the confusion that they they're they're spreading. They've confused so many people and I'm even, you know, confused as well, but I'm because of this program and other things, it's um, it's, help, it's challenging me to think more and more, and the confusion is is getting uh, less and less. But yeah, that's 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 what it boils down to—just a whole lot of confusion, and it is it is confusing. So it's it's understanding understandable that people are just confused, and that's it. If racism, white supremacy is what I think it is, it facilitates all of those other isms. On a historical note, um, some of the research I've been doing, I found that a lot of the first um, black feminists um, came in the late 1800s. Um, in fact, uh, Marcus Garvey's first and second wife were wives, um, wives were considered feminists. How white women were able to co-opt into that and um, redefine that construct um, is, is um, you know, um, one of the things that I'm trying to find. Um, but first, um, people who were trying to get rights for women, um, especially labor rights and things of that nature, were black women because white women didn't work for them. They couldn't work back then. Um, their men wouldn't allow them to, um, so they had no rights. Um, so I thought that that was um, interesting, and when I started studying feminism, it kept bringing me back to black women in the um, mid and late 1800s in um, both the Caribbean and the United States, <laughs> which I thought was very interesting. Um, what, what everyone's saying is right on point. Um, the system works off of confusion, and they keep us confused at all times, and without the confusion, um, they know that their system doesn't work. So they, every one of them has a part to play in keeping us confused, whether subconsciously or consciously, as the great Dr. Weldon um, will put it. Um, and it, it's, it works perfectly. Um, I, I just hope that we could get to the point where we're able to have that same level of confusion uh, as far as what we're going to do. And not so predictable to white people, uh, and of course we are predictable because 
they um, put us in a situation where they know what we're going to do. So. Appreciate that, Thomas in New York. Uh, one thing I will say, I suspect uh, by this point, 2018, if you want to function in a university or academic setting, it would probably be advantageous to you, especially if you are a black person, male or female, to vigorously endorse what is called feminism. Uh, I do not think you would better your position as a black person in what they call the ivory towers, uh, opposing feminism or even acting like you're indifferent to it. Uh, I suspect that probably would not aid your efforts to get tenure and to progress, which is just further a part of racism, white supremacy, confusion. We want you to talk. We want our boys and gals, even the ones that we call doctor or give PhD or whatever the case, we want them to sound the way we want them to, even when they talk about racism, white supremacy. We want it to be in line with the way we think it should sound to spread confusion. At least that's what, you know, I think could be happening. I could be wrong. Uh, we'll take one more comment. Anybody? Last comment or folks are good? Yeah, I just want to say, I think on the plantation, um, white men, had a very strong working relationship with black women as far as um, keeping their business intact. Um, they would go to the black men or big mama to know how many slaves is ready to work, who's ready to do what, who's in good condition, where such and such is, to get this one in line. That was their responsibility. And white women have always looked at that relationship um, with a side eye. And um, now that this new feminist release, um, that this movement that's coming about that is making black women feel like they're being included. Really, um, they're, the, they're the number one target of this new white woman feminist uh, movement, in my opinion. Hmm. That is something we can ponder on. Uh, we should be here Thursday, Workplace Racism, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Friday, we will conclude the hate you give. All done. Shout out to Ned the Wino. Uh, that'll be Friday, same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Compensatory call in Saturday, 9 Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Although, how would they not tune in? Everyone's favorite subject matter. Uh, if you have uh, questions, comments, guest suggestions, uh, I tweeted Dr. West's website for people if you're interested, if you want to check out the documentary or for people that are in this area, if you want to uh, try to go uh, to Tacoma to check out the documentary film on one of the dates. I'm going to try and do that myself, uh, but you can drop an email if you need any information until justice at Gmail dot com until justice at Gmail dot com. Huge thanks to all the folks for calling in, listening in. I hope it was worthy of your Tuesday afternoon because it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, hopefully it was worthy of my Tuesday afternoon either. I could have been uh, frolicking outside at the park uh, doing all kinds of things. It was a beautiful uh, day here in Seattle. It has not been spring-like at all so far this spring. It has been rainy uh, and windy and cloudy most of the spring, so it's just kind of finally starting to feel like, oh, it's not winter anymore. Uh, but we were here, counter-racist grind. 
That said, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy, given our disturbing subject matter for the evening. I think we definitely want to make sure that we are not in a vulnerable position to be taken advantage of by sexual predators and terrorists. Uh, I think it would behoove us to function, to behave at all times like war is being waged against black people. Let's make sure that we can think clearly, make great decisions. Sometimes you might have to make split second life saving decisions. Uh, I don't think being intoxicated is going to help in any of those critical moments. Uh, Let's do everything we can to preserve our health, our brain computers so that we can come up with solutions to the problem racist man racist woman racist child certainly if we're going to be in a vehicle let's be sober and buckled up let's do everything we can to minimize contact with race soldiers badge or no that's it creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim your brother problem. you're a victim i'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm-hmm. even my conditioning has been conditioned <laughs> judy was boring hello then judy discovered jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.